0: Teen in the Canadian Football League. Welcome to CFL Weekly across Canada on the TSN Radio Network. I'm Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81, Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Great show for you today, folks. The Johnny Manziel watch continues. He is starting. He is back. So I go to Montreal to chat with John Lou, who covers the Alouettes and all things CFL. We'll swing around the East as well with Mr. Lou and Scott Cullen for. Power rankings and CFL fantasy tips from TSN.ca. And in a special behind the helmet, Canadian content, Kuwaku Boatang from the Edmonton Eskimos. He has a fascinating story. We'll get to know him better. He's a sack leader for the Eskies, and we'll chat with him in behind the helmet a little bit later on. But first, folks, let's get to the performers of the week. And oh my. You know. Every week, every week, there's just some just some astounding numbers around the CFL. How about William Powell for the Red Blacks? My, what a statement game for Powell. Not necessarily the most prolific catcher out of the backfield, but rushing the ball to help turn around that Red Blacks offense that was stymied, that was struggling. He did it, man, and he did it in a big way. 148 rushing yards and 18 carries, to touchdowns in a, to me, a surprising win over the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So congrats to Mr. Powell. Anthony Orange, BC Lions. Boy, that Lions D stepped up big time. And they needed to. With Travis Lule going down, Jonathan Jennings in, the D needed to perform, and they did, or should I say Anthony Orange did. Two interceptions, returned one 54 yards for a touchdown. So Anthony Orange, another performer of the week. And then my guy, the Bagel. I gotta get him on the show. Reggie Bagleton. From the Calgary Stampede stamps on a bye this week. Reggie Bagleton, second straight week of 150 yards receiving. Like wow. What do you want from this Calgary Stampeder on the depth side of things from receiver? You lose Eric Rogers, you lose Kamar Jordan. That would cripple most teams. No! Reggie! And Reggie goes goes and balls out. Unbelievable. Reggie Bagleton, performer of the week. Our Twitter poll question here at Andy MC81. Follow me there and you can vote on our Twitter poll again at Andy MC81 delivered by Domino's is excluding quarterbacks. Which player has been the most valuable to their team entering? CFL Week 15. You can also tweet in your own, but which of these players has been most valuable? Andrew Harris, Brandon Banks, Charleston Hughes, or Duke Williams? Harris Banks, Hughes, or Williams. You can vote at AndyMCD1. And I said we're delivered by Domino's. And folks, it's 50% off week, baby. National, Canada wide. Until this Sunday, all you do, you go to domino's.ca, you order any regular price menu pizza for carryout. off, half off. You can get a large, extra large, medium, all the toppings you want, whatever, however many you want, all 50% off. Get yourself to dominoes.ca right now. It's only until this Sunday. Okay, let's get to the news and note. It's time for three downs on CFL Weekly with
1: Andy McNamara, bringing you inside the largest headlines around the Canadian Football
0: League. First down, and in first down, the playoff race in the West getting tighter and the BC Lions stayed in that race, laying a smackdown on Montreal last week. Bad news for the Lions. As I mentioned, they lost starting quarterback Travis Lule. The very inconsistent Jonathan Jennings came in. He did okay, but can Jennings be the guy to take that team to the postseason? The CFL on TSN panel with Rod Smith, Matt Dunnigan, Milt Stiegel, and Henry Burris debate.
2: Start with the BC Lions and lost quarterback Travis Lule. Are you buying or selling their playoff chances, Maddie, with Jonathan Jennings as their QB?
1: I am pushing my chips in on Jonathan Ooh, Jennings. Wow. Yes, I am. I like the way he played in uh, coming into the ballgame this past weekend. I think he made clear decisions, quick decisions. He was a little off in some of his mm. throws. He'll shake off that rust. Right. But one of the big reasons why is because of the way the B.C. Lions are playing around. Yep. That defense is yep. on fire right now. Jonathan makes good decisions. He can take this team to the place. Totally agree with wow. you, Matt. He needs to play better than he did at the beginning of the year, but he doesn't need to be great because of that defense is playing so special spectacular so if he can be average they have an opportunity to make the playoffs
3: well i'm not buying guys i'm selling on this uh, one because oh. i need to see some consistency from jonathan jennings a great kid i well. love the kid to death but again how many opportunities you does don't it take him, for this is. to happen i mean right now the cream should have risen
0: to the top i want to see him do well but right now i just can't buy guys i'm with hank there even with the lions defense playing great There's nothing pointing to Jennings being able to hold down this job or even being able to be trusted to perform well. He's had ample opportunities, just hasn't stepped up. Also, running back Jeremiah Johnson, who you'd want to lean on with a struggling quarterback, he's been average at best this season. Without Lule, I don't think PC makes it. Moving on. Second down. Okay, the Stampeders hold away in the second half to include the 10-2 and two and rob the Ticats of a chance to take a share of first place in the East. Rod Black and Dwayne Ford break down what was a wild night in Hamilton. This will not go down as one of those classically played games by any stretch. There were a lot of mistakes. It was ugly, according to Bo Levi
1: Mitchell. There were a number of injuries, and there's a lot of step-up. For the Calgary Stampeders, when anybody steps out Somebody else steps in. Yeah, they certainly do. And one of the things they've talked about is is their depth for years, and particularly in that receiving corps. I don't know how many teams could sustain the loss of Eric Rodgers and Kamar Jordan at the same time and not miss a beat. But when you've got a guy sitting in reserve like Reggie Bengleton waiting for a chance to get on the roster, you're in pretty good shape. Bengleton coming up huge today. Five catches, 150 yards, and a touchdown. He and, the, and Juwan Breskison in particular, absolutely terrific. I think they combined for 224 yards. 75% completion rate for Bo Levi Mitchell when he was thrown to those two guys. So they're in, in pretty good shape regardless of the injuries that they've faced, although those continue to mount with Devaris Daniels going down in this he one. He went down and out of the lineup. We watched the Winnipeg-Saskatchewan game. I thought that was a game that we had never seen anything like that, but we may have been witness to another one in the first half they were scoring fast and furious any way possible. Yeah, it's not just about the, the offense. That There are all sorts of ways to score in the Canadian Football League. And you look at so many of the, the league's best teams, they're often aided by their defense and special teams. And, and both teams got some of that tonight. Larry Dean, early in the ballgame, steps up, gets the pick six. Shakir Ryan follows suit. Later in this ballgame, he had a kick return for a touchdown, but also had a... Fumble that got returned by Tim Deadelike for a touchdown. Delvin Bro recovers a fumble after a strip by Don to score a defensive touchdown for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And Terry Williams matching Shakir Ryan's kick return touchdown. He delivers one of his own. So special teams and defense, a huge part of the big score in this football game. The Tiger Cats, in fact, didn't score an offensive touchdown wonder what all those Hall of Famers thought about watching that. That's <laughs> CFL football sometimes, wild and woolly. And for the Hamilton Tiger Cats, that's now 14 straight losses against the Calgary Stampeders, who have become their daddy.
0: I talked about it off the top. That receiver depth in Calgary is remarkable. Reggie Bagleton, right, stepping up again. Stamps defense also reminding the rest of the league that they're pretty damn good, holding the red-hot Jeremiah Masuli to zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Calgary is on the bye. Moving on. down you know what i always say folks the best offenses are balanced ones where defenses have to plan for a legit passing and rushing attack well two running backs that have been incredible are andrew harris of the blue bombers and william powell of the red blacks the cfl on tsn panel discuss if you could have just one of these guys this season who would it be
1: Well, let's buy a running back now, Milt. If you had enough money to buy one of either William Powell of the Red Blacks or Andrew Harris of Winnipeg? Who's it going to be?
0: Well, you can't go wrong with
1: either. I really like the way William Powell is coming along, but... I'm going to go with Andrew Harris. I'm going to go with him because what he does, catching the ball out of the backfield, he's still the better of the two when it comes to that. Yeah, I, I agree there. But uh, I think he's a little banged up right now because of use. And I really like what I see in William mm. Powell right now. I think he's hitting his stride. And the team's leaning on him. They get balanced there. William Powell's big key to this team moving forward.
3: Matt, you know, I'm right with you. I love Andrew. I love William. I'll take them both. But, again, if I have to make my choice, I'm going with number 29 in that backfield. This guy has been the solo force behind the reason why the Red Blacks have had. A great offense over the past number of years, and he continues to do it and lead this team this year. William Powell's my guy, whether it's on the ground, whether it's catching or blocking, he is and a leader, huh? he gets <laughs> it done. He wow. is your All guy. Right.
0: Man, tough to argue with William Powell's 148 rushing yards and two touchdowns in that huge win over Saskatchewan. And hey, in part, there you can vote in our poll question. If you, if you think William Powell is the most outstanding player, the most valuable to their team outside of quarterbacks. We're excluding quarterbacks. Maybe it's William Powell. I didn't put him in the poll, but I have Andrew Harris, Brandon Banks, Charleston Hughes, or Duke Williams. Vote at AndyMC81. All right. After the break, to Montreal we go. Johnny Menzel back in the starter seat, and we'll swing around the East Division with TSN's John Lou. That and a whole lot more coming up on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Hungry? Domino's has you covered. Grab any medium feast pizza for only ten ninety nine, dollars or dive into our delivery and carryout specials at dominoes.ca. Domino's is more than just pizza. Try our delicious side dishes like pasta and chicken wings and don't forget our irresistible marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Perfect food for the big game if you're in a hurry or just because. Check out all the great deals at dominoes.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Welcome back to FL Weekly across Canada on the PSN Radio Network. Andy McNamara and with you. Week 15 action coming up in the Canadian Football League. Get me on Twitter at AndyMCD1. Remember, folks, 50% off week at Domino. Don't miss it. It ends this Sunday. Any regular menu-priced pizza at Domino's.ca for carry is 50% off. Half off. You want extra large, large, medium, as many as you want, as many toppings as you want, 50% off off dominoes.ca go get yourself today it ends on Sunday joining me now TSN's John Lou John Johnny Manziel just when you think he's down and out he is back he made those statements to the media. Montreal then lost a terrible performance, and now Johnny Football is back as the starting quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. Let's start with his comments in practice, where he openly complained, listen, I came here to compete, Uh, they said they wanted to use me, they said this has to work, and now I'm being benched. What did you make overall about his comments before that game?
2: Uh, Well, um, I thought that it was... uh uh, it was a little bit surprising that he went uh, public with his uh, frustration and dissatisfaction because some would read that as um, somebody who's uh, not projecting himself as a good teammate uh, to, to to put his um, his specific uh, desires above that of the team itself. But the bottom line, though, is that uh, Johnny Manziel is you know he's a, a very fierce competitor, a proud athlete, and uh, and he's supremely confident. Um, there was complete truth and authenticity in what he was saying. And uh, the underlying thought behind that is that, uh, that Manziel firmly believes that he is uh, the best quarterback to lead this team. And, uh, you know, basically the, uh, you know, Cavis Reed and, and Mike Sherman both put the cart before the horse when they traded for Manziel back in July, when, uh, when they said that, you know, the, that we didn't bring him in to have him sit on the bench and so all along, the plan has been for Mandel to be slotted in as the uh, as the number one quarterback, but really the um, uh, the concussion on August 11th in Ottawa kind of threw everything off the rails because that set back his uh, development on the CFL level and then circumstances that the Alouettes couldn't have predicted, like bringing Antonio Pipkin back after releasing him at, uh, near the end of training camp, uh, and Pipkin... Playing well enough to guide the team to wins, you kind of had the perfect storm where it upset the apple cart a little bit in in Manziel's favor. But uh, so um, when you take a look at those uh, those comments that he made last Thursday, uh, uh, you could really see both sides of it. And at least publicly, both Cavis uh, Reed and uh, and uh, Mike Sherman are are saying they understand, they know where that. That those comments are coming from, what place it's coming from, uh, and that, uh, that they're choosing to say that, okay, well, this is Johnny Manziel, the competitor, and uh, so it just so happened that uh, the the way that uh, Pipkin and the Alouettes' offense performed, or, or rather didn't perform the next day, last Friday, uh, it certainly gave the Alouettes the perfect end to go back to Manziel, which has been the plan all along, so it's worked out for Manziel, uh, certainly uh, at this stage, and we'll mm-hmm. see what he's capable of doing Friday at Winnipeg.
0: Yeah, John, I was going to say, it makes the, the coaching decision a, a bit easier when uh, the quarterback throws for 95 yards and four interceptions. I wonder, like, if Pipkin would have won that game, I'm sure we, we'd be having a much different conversation. Like you said earlier, it would have been real tough to pull Pipkin yeah. out of if they would have yeah. pulled that one out.
2: Oh, I know, absolutely. Um, if Pipkin had won that game, uh, especially in the circumstances too, because that's a team that they have to qu- sort of keep down because of the potential of BC crossing over right. while the Owls are trying to rise in the Eastern ranks. If Pipkin and the Owls had won on Friday, then you'd have a full blown quarterback controversy right now. Right. Because everybody would know after Benzel went public on Thursday that he is not happy, was not happy as the backup that he wanted to play. And then all of a sudden, you got a guy that's like, all of a sudden, he's led them to three straight wins. So there's no legitimate reason to remove him. And so, I mean, we're speaking speculatively in this case. It's, you know, well, it never didn't come to pass, but yeah. but absolutely, the Alouettes in that way uh, kind of dodged a, a little bit of a PR bullet. Because otherwise, for the last two days, we would have been talking strictly about, um, you know, uh, who should be the quarterback simply because my suspicion is that they would have gone back to Pipkin uh, on Monday with, with that first team reps. And, uh, but everybody would be talking to Anzell about, it's like, okay, well, light of what you said Thursday, and, you know, how things unfolded Friday. Uh, yeah. And here we are on Monday, you know, what's, how's the city with you? Right. So it's, um, you know, uh, for the time being, at least uh, as long as Manziel stays healthy and upright, uh, this is the plan that the Alouettes had uh, envisioned all along. So, uh, yeah, it, uh, it calms the waters a little bit, <laughs> but now the greater issue at hand is, uh, you know, what is Manziel going to be capable of doing after being out of action for almost six weeks by the time the ball, the first snap, uh, happens on Friday.
0: Well, and th- and that's it. And that's it. It's It's about... Where, where Johnny was developing for that second, that second game where he got concussed. Now you kind of have to push it all the way back because of the extended uh, time missed. But also, John, you mentioned about the Alouettes having to catch up with BC or keep pace. You also have to do that with their opponent in Winnipeg. The Blue Bombers sitting at last in five and seven. They have their own quarterback controversy with Matt Nichols and, and Chris Strebler. Nichols is going to start. So this is a huge game for, for both teams. And, Boy, Johnny, if he can come in and I, I don't expect him to light it up, but at least not turn the ball over and show progression, this is going to be a great opportunity for him.
2: Yeah, well, but again, um, you know, he showed signs uh, in his second game a little mm-hmm. game in which he was concussed in Ottawa that he was that he had actually climbed the you know the learning curve, the steep learning curve, quite quickly. There was a market improvement. From his first outing to his second one, and so that's why the concussion really set things back for him. Because once he was cleared for to play, he was uh, there. Were t- he was he's been in uniform for two games. Didn't, didn't get any reps though, and uh, uh, you know, sandwiched the bye week between those two uh, those two uh, games where he was backup, and really, you have a, a situation where. Where Madzel really hasn't been able to do much in the way of developing except studying the playbook and practice and uh, so I'm really curious to see what he's going to be able to to, uh, to accomplish on Friday simply because this has just been uh, really you know a huge gap and uh, for a guy that's you know it's coming from the uh, uh, you know that that's that still that is learning the Canadian game that's a it, it you got to think it's pretty difficult to be able to, to, to track upward with steady progression when you miss that much playing time.
0: Oh, sure. And John, do you think any more, and maybe it's impossible because he's already got so much of a, a limelight, highlight target on him anyway because of his name, but do you think those comments of him saying, I want to start, I want to be the guy, I'm the best option, does that put any more additional pressure on Johnny, or is that impossible right now because he's got so much already?
2: Um I don't know, I think there was sort of a critical mass with that already, um yeah, yeah. just because they uh um, I don't think uh, any uh any comments further from you know the media or the fan base at large are going to impact much more on on what his uh his state of mind is in terms of uh what he expects out of himself what his team expects out of himself. So no, I really don't think that's going to be a factor. But uh, you know, uh, uh, I think that many athletes in that situation doesn't have to be a quarterback. It could be a starting goalie, starting pitcher. It could be, you know, you name it. Um, every athlete, every high caliber athlete, professional athlete, they're going to they're going to have a similar mindset um, that just won't necessarily come out of their mouths. That's all. Right. That's, right. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah, can't yeah. be that good. You can't succeed without that, that that supreme confidence and belief in oneself. It's just a question of well, are, are you going to use your discretion to not vocalize that? Because especially in a team sport, that could be viewed as being selfish.
0: Exactly. John, last one for you here. Alouette's 3-9. and nine. Argo's 3-8 and eight coming off the bye. Then you got Hamilton and Ottawa. Uh, where do you see... Montreal finishing this year? A lot of it obviously depends on how Johnny Manziel plays and if he stays healthy, but with the Argos struggling and the rest of the East not pulling away, do they have the bones to make a playoff run?
2: Montreal, um, I don't know. I I really can't answer that um, because, it's you know what, um, Manziel is completely an Mm X-factor because we don't know what he's capable of doing. We know he has the tools and the skills, um, but uh, can he actually apply that Deliver wins because he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass yet either. That's right. Remember? So, um, yep. so I don't know. I, I think that's a real. It's a real incomplete picture, and there just isn't enough information to even make an informed or uh, uh, reasonable opinion on that. Just because, they, we know that they're going to run with him. He's going to go in there on Friday. As long as he's healthy, he's not coming out. With, nope. They're not going to go back to Antonio Pipkin or anybody else. He's their horse. He's their guy. They're going to stick with him. That's what they brought him in for. Right. So sink or swim and uh, we don't know whether he's capable of swimming and uh, so without knowing that, without having enough information to draw a there, it's really impossible to say that, okay, well they do have the tools to be able to uh, stay in the race or even uh, somehow take advantage of everybody eating their own young um, <laughs> in the East to, to be able to, to, to actually creep up because, really, the Alouettes, you know, their only chance of making the playoffs is to get into second place because you got to figure that crossover will come into play. because right. they're just, they're, 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 There aren't enough dominant Eastern teams to really think that there, there isn't even any one team that looks like it's ready to seize first place, much less um, you know, dominate. So, yeah. Um, that's an incomplete. It, it, I don't have an answer for that.
0: Definitely incomplete. But, John, one thing we know, it's going to be interesting and a lot of fun Friday night at 830 on TSN. Thank you so much for taking the time.
2: Yeah, my pleasure.
0: There he goes. John Lou from TSN in Montreal on Twitter at John TSNMTL. After the break, I go behind the helmet with Edmonton Eskimos Canadian patch rusher, Kweku Boateng. You don't want to miss this. Stay tuned. A lot more coming up. CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Welcome back to CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Canada-wide, baby. I'm Andy McNamara. Get me on Twitter at AndyMC81. Instagram at AndyMC Sports. Folks, were delivered by Domino's. I've been telling you all show, it is 50% off week until this Sunday. Any regular menu-priced pizza, order online for carryout, you get it half off. Half off, 50% off. As many toppings as you want, as many pizzas as you want, any size you want, 50% off Domino's until this Sunday. Check it out now on dominoes.ca. And as he always does, joining me, Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Scotty, how's it going? Awesome. How you doing, Andy? I'm doing well, man. Well, hey, man, the postseason, it is creeping closer. And the standings and power rankings are as muddled as ever, except the Calgary Stampeders re-emerged. Not that we ever really doubted them, but it was like, okay, you make the second half comeback against Hamilton, and the defense steps up huge, holding Jeremiah Masoli, who's been on a tear, to zero touchdowns and picked them off twice. This, to me, was a statement game by the Stamps.
4: Well it seems they've done that this year in their t- when they've had their two losses that uh they they come back and and sort of set everybody straight you know just in case you thought something was really wrong there yeah no they're, they're just fine and uh like like you said it's not it's not as though we' really had concerns about uh the, the stampeders, but you know coming off a loss, you wonder whether that that could start something uh the wrong way for them and uh very very emphatically they say no it it will not be starting that way no um you know and Louie and it, it, Doing that against Hamilton, Hamilton has been on a, a bit of a, a roll themselves. Like they've been starting to play some pretty good football. So, um, you know, I think the the Stampeders are, are full marks for for the win, obviously, um, and you know that, that throws Hamilton back into uh, their kind of season long battle they've got going with Ottawa, where. Mm-hmm. You know, Ottawa, Ottawa got got a win kind of rallying from uh, a bit of a slump that they've had. And uh, and with Hamilton losing, you know, they they just keep kind of keep going back and forth at the top of the East Division.
0: Absolutely. And Ottawa is so unpredictable, Scotty. We talked about it mm-hmm. the other week. Just when you think you got them figured out, right? It's like, OK, now they're losing and they can't score points. All right. OK, now we got it. No, then they pop off 30 against one of the best defenses in the league and win on the road in Saskatchewan. Yeah. Like, I yeah, don't know what to a,
4: think. A team against a team that had won four in a row. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes the game doesn't make that much sense,
0: Andy. No, no, it doesn't. And you know what is is disappointing is that the Stampeders are on a bye week. So we can't go and pick for our fantasy team my guy, the Bagel. Reggie Bagleton. <laughs> I put him in last week. I was thinking about it. I popped him in last week. The dude rams off another 150. Guys, boy, you, you gotta take your hat off. You lose Eric Rodgers. You lose two you lose two prime receivers to the Cal for the Calgary Stampeders, and you have others just elevate. No, nobody heard about Reggie Bagleton league-wide before the last two weeks, and the guy's balling out.
4: Yeah, yeah, just dropping 150 yards on you for for fun, yeah. and uh, but you're right. I mean, the the really uh, impressive stuff is that uh, the the St. have needed them. You know, with injuries um, to Kamar Jordan and Eric Rogers and, and Darius Daniels got hurt last week too. Is, is, you All know right. they need somebody to step up, and there you go. Uh, Bagleton is is now the guy in, in uh, the Stampeders' Peters oh. offense. But that's you know the. At various times this year, we've sort of commented about how they have options, like that, that there isn't kind of one guy that they hang their hat on. Uh, and, you know, that's, I guess, part of their strength is that, you know, that they've been able to overcome injuries to some pretty significant receivers, and then it's just the next man up. Uh, and Begleton, and uh, you know, puts up these big numbers, but I guess also, also credit to Bo Levi Mitchell that he's been able to make it work, uh, kind of no matter who uh, is available in his passing game.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. Real credit to the quarterback there. Scotty, we go from the top to the bottom where the Montreal Alouettes live and the Toronto Argonauts are also (laughs) renting space. Uh, am I crazy to think that I actually would have more confidence in the Alouettes winning if Antonio Pipkin was in instead of Johnny Manziel? Is that, is that weird? You know? Wow! Wow! After a four-interception
4: game, Andy, you're, you're still gonna take up for Pipkin? Boy, I, uh, that, that really doesn't show a lot of love to, to Johnny Football. Well, like I, like I, I think you're you're still having Cleveland Browns
0: flashbacks. But. I might, but but, but Scotty, the thing is, like he played uh, Pipkin played terrible, but uh, Pipkin uh, yes. Pipkin, but the the for Johnny. He's played two games. He's out of whack. It's almost like you're starting from ground zero again with this guy. Like, I, I guess maybe more yeah. accurately, I-, I don't have confidence really in any of them.
4: Well, that then that, that's fair. <laughs> that's totally fair. <laughs> um, you know, and but I mean, to me, if you're if you're the yeah, the you, you kind of ride Tipkin because he got you a couple of wins, and goodness, you have to show some respect for somebody sure. who can win games for that team. Huh. Um, but once you know he's fallen off and. And certainly I think last week's performance is, is reason enough to consider changing back. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're sitting here, he's, he's played four games with one touchdown and eight interceptions. But right. that's, yeah. that's, that, that's not going to get it done. And, and so, get, you know, give give Johnny Football another shot. And now, I mean, he has no touchdowns and four interceptions. It's not like he's <laughs> uh, uh, setting the world on fire either. But, you know, if you're the Alouettes, the, the hope is that long-term Manziel can be your quarterback. So you know get him in and find out you know these these games here at the end of the season uh down the kind of the last third of the season i guess is is where we are is you know this is prime time to find out whether Manziel um can be a, a real piece to build around next year and and if you finish off this season and and you know the performance isn't any better than what we've seen well then you probably know you have to go somewhere else but if he plays well you know down down the stretch and you know, at least gives you some hope. Well, then maybe you can look ahead and say, okay, Johnny Menzel you know, could be part of the solution here. And, and I, you know, as, as much as it was encouraging that Antonio Pipkin, you know, got the alouettes a couple of wins, I don't think there's uh, any real expectation that, you know, maybe he's the guy who can, who can. Be the quarterback of the future there.
0: No, no, and that was all based around the defense primarily and special teams for Montreal to get mm-hmm. a couple of those out. Now, Scotty, what about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Matt Nichols was named starter. I would have to think that leash is going to be pretty short. Sure. <laughs> and, and where where do you have them in the power rankings? Like, I, I'm guessing it's Toronto, Montreal, but Winnipeg's got to be like like close to eight, like seven, I guess, right? Like
4: they're they're kind of battling with BC. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. between six and seven, and. and but you're right. I mean, the, the leash on Nichols has to be like <laughs> the shortest of leashes in the league. I think, yeah, um, because he's just and we said this before, but he's just he's not the guy who who was quarterbacking this team last year. No, you no, know, last year was uh, a career year. But I think he had you had reasonable hopes that he wouldn't collapse off of a career year. Maybe you don't match the you know the 4,400 yards and 28 touchdowns, but you know we're we're sitting right now 11 touchdowns and 12 picks like. That's just not um, not similar to, to last year's performance, and so understandably, the Blue Bombers are. Uh, you know, I, a I get that why they're kind of giving him another shot to uh, to sort this out, but I do think that that leash has to be really shortened. If if Nichols is still turning the ball over, then you give Streveler a chance, and you know, not that um, you know, not that uh suddenly go, oh, there's your answer, and for sure he's better. But he's he's had some positive signs, you know, sure. in, in the in the bits that he's played, and you know enough that you you could say you could justify uh, benching Nichols, um, you know, if this performance kind of continues down the current road that it's on, so. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, in, in this, by by saying in the power rankings, they're kind of battling with BC, you know, with Travis Lule getting hurt, mm. then we're back to the Jonathan Jennings experience, which, yeah. um, you know, who, who knows where you're getting there. There's a guy who passed for 5,000 yards a few years ago, but it's been, uh, um, you know, fairly downhill since, and uh, you could almost say he started on the, the Matt Nichols path just a, a year before Matt Nichols did.
0: Well, well, yeah, that's that's a great point. In conversation with Scott Cullen from TSN.ca on Twitter at TSN Scott Cullen, Scotty, let's go to some fantasy play here for the TSN CFL mm-hmm. fantasy game. Running back, and I guess quarterback. Let's start with running back. The running back selection this week is tricky to me. Because you have Alex Green that has been doing great, but stuttered a bit last week. And that BC defense we've seen, we saw last week, was phenomenal. William Powell busted Busted loose, (laughs) but... He's expensive, and can you expect that same performance against Edmonton? Wilder Jr. has been inconsistent. Harris seems like he's slowing down a little bit as the season has gone on. Gable, you can't rely on. And Jeremiah Johnson has been average. Where are we going at running back this week? I need two spots. (laughs) Two? I need two, two.
4: my goodness. Right? (laughs) I I know. The... the, the the saving grace, I think, on Andrew Harris, and you're right, that he he slowed down a bit, but his cost has come down. That's true. Kind of in conjunction with that, which I think makes him a viable play uh, at home against Montreal. Now, uh, you know, early in the year, we we could set or watched by Andrew Harris, and you get big games, kind of whether whether the Blue Bombers as a team did well or not. Andrew Harris was still productive, and, you know, as time has gone on, and, and maybe as teams have realized that uh, the passing game isn't much of a threat there, uh, life has been more difficult for Andrew Harris. But uh, I do think, like you say, this is not, a, not an easy week because, um, I mean, in some respects, because consistency, uh, is an issue for, for CFL running backs this year. But, I mean, and not just, you know, performance from one game to the next, but, like, are they in the lineup? Are they getting touches? Like, those kinds of um, consistency issues as well. And so I, 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 I'm i okay with Harris, but, like, like I, I would also want to go, you know, maybe to someone like Trey Mason or something, okay. you know, find me a an inexpensive option as a second back. You know, I may, um, you know, I don't know that Mason is – you, know, you don't come in with uh, super high expectations, but you know he, he's had 34 carries over the past couple of weeks, so it kind of seems like he's the um, the guy that they're giving more more of the action to in Saskatchewan now.
0: That's a great point. I'm kind of thinking maybe a Chris Rainey here too, Scotty, because mm-hmm. we know he gets points on uh, all over, right? Kickoff returns, punt yeah. returns, carries, and, and in the passing game. And maybe with Jennings back in, they'll look to get a little creative and use Rainey a little bit more. He's kind of, he's just above the 6,000 mark. So depending how the lineup pricing works out, that might be a little tricky, but that, that might be another option against Hamilton who's making that long road trip. Yep.
4: Yeah, and, and, you know, I'll just, Kind of add add one more running back if we're if we're looking at uh, you know discount running backs William Standback may uh, may be worthwhile uh, for Montreal. Obviously, it depends on um, you know <laughs> who they decide is going to be their running back in a given week. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know Standback is the guy, and he's just over four thousand dollars and. Uh, you know, getting even if it's Montreal's starting running back, getting a, getting a guy for four thousand dollars does kind of open up some other options in your uh, in your roster.
0: Exactly, and we'll finish off with a, a quarterback selection here. Always, you know, always the safe pick with Mike Riley and Edmonton, of course. Ottawa, we just talked about, unpredictable. Masoli, boy, this season he hasn't missed. Consecutive games, I don't think very, uh, very often he started to pile on the touchdowns. That BC defense, though, the long road trip, I might be a little hesitant at the 11,000 mark. Then we dip to Trevor Harris after that, and then you really get into tricky times with, you know, with Matt Nichols. Like,
4: <laughs> to, to all these guys that we've talked yeah. about already having problems. Where, where, <laughs> yeah, where are you the, thinking? The Matt Nichols and Johnny yeah. Mandel and, uh, Jonathan Jennings. Yeah. We, you, I, I think any of those guys, they're bargains, but boy, you really have to, uh, you you have to have uh, some serious conviction to, to want to put your your fantasy week on on the shoulders of of one of those quarterbacks.
0: Maybe Trevor Harris because it, it has mm-hmm. a possibility to get into a shootout with Edmonton, and he's eight thousand five hundred plus. Like that's kind of that, yeah. You know, like I, he, I
4: think I think he. Probably the the best money uh, value this week, and and it you know it helps that he had a, a good game last week yeah, in Saskatchewan, yeah. but you know, a home game against Edmonton. I think you're right. Like if you're looking at a home game against Edmonton, it's quite possible we could be looking at a, a forty to thirty four kind of game where where both teams are, are getting big chunks of yardage. So uh, yeah, I take my chances probably on Harris at the price, um, and hope that he and Riley just uh, you know drive that ball up and down the
0: field all day. Scotty, awesome stuff as always, man. Thank you so much. Anytime. Thank you, Andy. There he goes. Scott Cullen from TSN.ca. Check out all his fine work, folks, on TSN.ca. Statistically speaking, CFL, NFL, NHL, lots of NHL stuff coming up. And follow him on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen. Take the break. After that, it will be a special behind-the-helmet Canadian content, folks. Kueko Boateng, pass rusher, leading sack guy... For the Edmonton Eskimos, a fascinating story. You don't want to miss this. I'll have my game picks, too, next on CFO Weekly across the TSN radio network. Wrap up CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. Andy McNamara with you on Twitter at AndyMC81. Go vote in our Twitter poll there. We're a bit tight on time, so I want to get right into this. He's a Canadian. He's the leading pass rusher for the Edmonton Eskimos. Kwaku Boateng in behind the helmet. Kwaku, pleasure to have you on Behind the Helmet here on CFL Weekly across the TSN radio network. I want to know your story, man, because, all right, defensive end with the Edmonton Eskimos, second year in, you're tied for sixth in the league for sacks. You lead the Eskimos, which has a real good defense, in sacks. First of all, tell me about this this Eskimos team. Had a big win over Calgary. You're battling for the division. What's this defensive group like, and how have you done so well in your second year?
3: First off, I just want to say thank you for uh, having me. Uh, on on uh, on the podcast, but um, the, Edmonton, the Edmonton defense is just run by a great coach with Coach Benavides, um, and I feel like we just have a lot of key, um, key key captains on the team, right? If you look from the defensive line, we have um, Armando Sewell. Um, look at the linebacker core, we have J.C. Sherratt, and lastly, if you look at the secondary, we have uh, Aaron Grimes. So, again, we have a captain for almost every um, key spot on the key grouping on the defense, and I've been I've been blessed to, to play a role on that defense and uh again we just have I feel like we just have a very dynamic defense full of young guys and if you look at the D line specifically everyone on that board is young besides Almond Segel. But um with that 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 there's gonna be a lot more energy, a lot more explosiveness. Um for 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 the for the fact that we lack some ex- um expertise, we make up for it with our speed and our energy and I think that um, the combination of all of us working together is, is what helped me be so 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 successful thus far, and I know that um, individually I know I I have a long way to go, and um, with the with our coaching staff and uh, specific cook, um, coach Benavides and uh, Coach Maxi, um, just a group, great group of guys that keep us disciplined and keep us uh, going.
0: Well, you're just 23 years old, and take me through year one into year two, because you talk to players, and of course that first year, you're getting used to the pro game, and then things start to slow down. So last year, you played in all 18 games, had four sacks. Ten games this year, you've already surpassed it at five. What's been the biggest change from year one to year two in the CFL for you?
3: I think I'm starting to understand the game a bit more, in the sense that obviously, you know, uh, going from – University at Wolf Florida University, you play for I love the game, and obviously, that you continue to love the game, but you start seeing the business side a bit more. But, I'm, but going into my first year of um, playing professional football, I didn't see it much because I was part of such a veteran group. I was at Philippine and whatnot at the defensive end spots. And uh, for most of the time, I, I just had the opportunity to read from them and learn from them. So I got to sit back, be a rotational player, be a backup and understand the game from their eyes um, and living accuracy through them. So this year, I think the biggest transition is just being able to apply some of the teachings that they have given me. And, again, I'm still learning, and I'm still learning from other players around the league. And um, this year, is just I'm starting to break out in the sense that I'm starting to use the tools um, that was given from um, my past uh, teammates. And, um, and again, I, I've just been very, very blessed and lucky to uh, – be able to to play this game and be able to start in my second year, and uh, I, I, I must say the biggest difference is just I'm able to apply it now and I'm I'm able to apply, it. and so just watching, I'm able to actually go on the field and do it.
0: Well, you're doing a tremendous job in conversation with Kwaku Boatang, defensive end, Canadian from the Edmonton Eskimos. So, Kwaku, take me through your journey. Born in Ghana. To Wilfred Laurier University, to the Edmonton Eskimos, to leading the team in sacks. It, just take me, take me through that. Kind of give me the Coles notes. How how you came came from Ghana, your family, yourself to the university, and eventually to the pros.
3: Yeah, uh, my my story. Um, I like I like to use perseverance as uh, the key the key word. That kind of sums my whole life so far. Um, my and that really just comes comes for my father my my will not to give up, my father came out to uh Canada, specifically Toronto Ontario um in his early twenties and didn 't know anybody. He just knew that he wanted to uh create a great um a great lifestyle for his kids and whatnot and um he was doing great things in Ghana he was a mechanic in ghana he ch- he chose to go to Canada for a better life. I was born a few um few years um afterwards um and back then. I'm not sure whether it still applies now, but my father was a Canadian citizen before I was born. Um, And then so as as soon as I was born, I was handed the Canadian passport and I was um, regarded as a Canadian citizen. So um, then my dad brought over my mother and whatnot. So we all came over to Canada, lived in Toronto for a bit, moved to Mississauga, and we finally settled into Milton. And in grade nine was the opportunity that I got to play football. Until then, football to me was just soccer, which was (laughs) Exactly. So, football to me was what you guys call soccer. Um, and then, once I got the opportunity to play football, I realized that this is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I was still kind of, uh, I was like, yeah, I'd still rather play soccer or football, um, <laughs> true football. And then it wasn't until I got switched over to um, defensive end in my second year by Coach Luciani. Um Before that, I was playing wide receiver. Um, oh. And then, uh, once I got the opportunity to play defensive end, I was like, huh. Scoring touchdowns or getting receptions is fun, but being able to um, wreak high, havoc on an um, mm-hmm. offensive line or on the quarterback that gives me so much more satisfaction. So I'm um, actually playing that that position, and then I got a scholarship going to Wolf Lawry University. And again, the person that actually converted me to defense, the defensive end spot he's uh, he was actually a big uh, um, alumni supporter of Wolf Lawry University, Coach Luciani. Um, and he told me listen, if you go to Wolf Lawyer University it's gonna be lots of love and the coaching staff there are gonna treat you really, really well. I went to Wolf Lawyer University, um, got the opportunity to start right away. Um, great coaching staff, worked my butt off, ended up going uh going to uh great uh my final year of university. The Scout bureau came out, was second in the whole league, um, second in the whole country for the upcoming draft and unfortunately during that time um uh, I was also part of a co-op program, so I went to work for Lori not only for football but for business and accounting. So Uh with that, that came with a program, a co-op program. And in my last year, I was working at uh, PwC, trying trying to do trying to juggle two things at one time, right? Um, Trying to be a professional athlete, but at the same time, I also want to take care of um, like my my lifestyle after football, right? When I want to be an accountant, I want to be in finance, and I felt like that really um, hindered my performance at the football combine and ultimately i went from second pre- projected to go second in the whole uh draft to uh falling to the 41st i believe or um the fourth the fifth round and i went to um at desk and uh, essentially i took that and uh, again like i said at the beginning um my whole football career so far could be summed up with just perseverance at that point i felt like uh, i have a business degree uh a bachelor's in uh, accounting whatnot i can just lean on that but then um I just thought to myself, am I leaving football because I'm scared or um, because I legitimately don't want to play? And I realized that it's because I was scared of uh, I was scared of this challenge. So I ended up just taking the challenge face- uh, head on, and I got to meet Coach Crean. I got to meet um, Odell Willis and uh, uh, Marcus Howard and all these great athletes and great pass rushers in um, Edmonton. And Edmonton gave me the opportunity to play ball. Um, I think in week three, I was part of the rotating, uh, D line before that I was just on special teams. And then I just built, I just built a reputation with Edmonton and built their respect and built their trust. And that's how I got to where I am now in second year where, um, I'm going, I'm playing with people like Omano Silva, Alex Bazzi, um, JC Sherrod, all these guys. And all that energy and all that chemistry is, is really what's helping me, uh, perform at the level that I'm at right now.
0: Man, Quaker, what a story, man! That's that's phenomenal. As you said, perseverance, and really, I guess having that business degree allows you to play free a little bit more because you're not necessarily just depending. Okay, it's football, and that's it. You can does that help take some pressure off of off of you from the mental side of the game? Knowing, hey, man, I got this to fall back on. I can just concentrate on playing ball right now.
3: Yeah, exactly, and I think it definitely does help, um, obviously with football. Professional football again. You see more of the business side as soon as you become professional. So you yeah. start realizing that your goal um on the football field is to win, and mine specifically is to get pa- to pass rush and get sacks. But I feel like having that behind my in the back of my brain definitely does help calm me down when things are starting to get a bit uh um stressful at work uh, or on the field. And I feel like. Uh, or I say we're losing, or we're not performing as well. Um, it does help help relax me. But end day, I'm very very competitive. Mm-hmm. Um, if I if I set to do something, I want to do it as best as I can. And sometimes um, I get in my head. Sometimes I overthink things. But end day, I know the coaching staff know that I love the game. I love um, just being great at what I do. So as much as having a backup plan um, is great, I still I still want to. Perform as best as I can on the field.
0: Still want to be the best you can be, and and you mentioned you were a wide receiver before. I'm wondering, maybe one day a little JJ Watt style, they'll, they'll pop you in on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball, run a little out route, huh, into the end zone. I, I, I sure hope so. If I can get a,
3: <laughs> so I can get add a touchdown to my career stats, that'd be right. awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, Kwaku, man, this is this has been a, a fascinating chat. Really appreciate you taking the time, and you're welcome back on CFO Weekly anytime, man.
3: Thank you so much for this opportunity. All the best today.
0: All right, there you go. Big thanks to Kweku Boateng and our special Behind the Helmet. That is it for this week, folks. Follow me on Twitter at AndyMC81. If you missed any of the show, I'll have the link pinned there on iTunes and on your local TSN Radio website under the show page section. Enjoy the games, folks.